You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. And before we get started, I want to let you know just how freaking much we love all of you. I just want to let you know that because it's one in the morning and I should be sleeping and the NBA should never start a stupid game at 8.30, but they did that. Um, and we're just gonna we're going to power through. Um, I might fall asleep during the recording of this, but that's okay. Um, we will we will find a way to get through it. I also want to remind you that this episode is going to be brought to you by Vivid Seats. Use the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to get $20 off a $200 or more purchase at Vivid Seats. So head over there and do that today. You can find them on the App Store or Google Play uh, to head over to Vivid Seats. Frank, how are you doing tonight? Uh, so... One of the um, customs we adhere to is uh, we use a program called Zencaster to record these podcasts now, and uh, you can input your name uh, when you enter the little web page. And <laughs> I like to pick random, uh, you know, names to to input. They're here. typically pretty good. Yeah, I feel they're, like I'm they're, they're pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I I, I probably peaked with Delaware Dova. Um, and it's, it's been hard kind of maintaining a level, but tonight, uh, I, I opted for, uh, a sleepo Kumbo, a sleepo Kumbo, um, because yeah, it's, it's late. Um, but you know what? We were texting during the game and we said, do you really want to go tonight? I can, you know, you could record by yourself. And I said, Bucks win this game. Screw it, man. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. National TV, Bucks staying undefeated against a team that, are you know i mean not like arch rivals but th- this is a rival of the bucks i mean this is a, another team that has big designs on the, in the eastern conference and obviously their timeline and the age of their young players is you know right kind of in line with Giannis. so um being able to go out and and handle the philadelphia 76ers i don't want to say easily but you yeah. know they were in control of this game really from probably what the second yep. quarter i guess they took, took control of the game um, you know, dug themselves a hole and end up, you know, really, I think the closest the game got in the second half was eight points. I want to say is that, yep. is that right? Something on that order? A couple times. Yep. Um, they end up winning one. Yeah. They end up winning one twenty three one Oh eight. Not too much drama. Giannis monster, triple double numbers. A lot of guys stepping up. Brooke Lopez really, um, showing his value against, uh, Joel Embiid and, and a Sixer team that obviously had, very high ambitions, but so far, um, you know, the Bucks staying perfect and the Sixers eh, showing some, you know, some some signs that uh, they may not be as good as the team that, especially at the end of the last regular season, really went gangbusters. And um, obviously, I'd say probably the, you know, 
certainly the most uh, satisfying win of the season so far, only four games in. Um, but I don't know if I'd call it a statement game, but certainly a, a game that, um, again, sort of reiterated that this is a different Bucks team and they're they're going to keep playing the way they've been playing. And obviously the results uh, speak for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I kind of said this last night, but is it a big game? Is it not a big game? This is going to count the same in the tiebreaker as their other ones against the Sixers. So, like, I do think this is big. I do think this is important. And um, I think this is a statement win. I think, yeah, I think this is a statement win. Like, on national TV, to beat a team that I think almost everyone puts ahead of you in the Eastern Conference. Like, I don't know many people out there that are like, oh, yeah, the Bucs are better than the Sixers. Like, I think a lot of people put the Sixers above the Bucs, and some people even put the Sixers in the same category as the Celtics and Raptors, which is crazy. Um, but some people do that. And the Bucs kind of went out and beat them comfortably. Like, they, they were six-point favorites, and uh, they almost doubled that up. Or, they, excuse me, they did double it up. They won by 15. So, like, this is... Uh, to me, it is a statement win, which again, like I said, is is a weird thing to say uh, just four games into the season. But I thought this was a big win for the Bucks. It, it kind of, in many ways, kind of announces their arrival and, and kind of lets people know exactly how good this team might be if they happen to be uh, sleeping on the Bucks a little bit. And I guess. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. I think a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, hopefully I don't fall asleep during all that. But um, I think it's pretty much all stuff that that we touched on with Giannis in the post game, And we can kind of go through some of it. But I, I, I asked this question to Giannis, even though I already knew the answer. I told him that before I asked it. I said, you know, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question. But you know, as Brooke misses his first four threes of the game, like, what are you guys trying to say to him? Like, what are you trying to let him know? And he just like looked at me and he didn't quite roll his eyes, but he certainly like, let me know, like, come on, Eric, like I told him to keep shooting. Um, and like, that was, that was pretty much what it was. But I mean, that's a huge storyline to me is that you're missing all these threes. You go down 12 in the first quarter and it's another one of those moments where it's like, is this really going to work? Like, is this really a good idea? And then Brooke Lopez just starts raining threes on the Sixers and everything that you've, you've kind of preached is there and you're thinking, yeah, like this is this is what you want from from your center spot to you know really stretch the floor out, bring Joel Embiid out, and make him cover Lopez. And and you could see Embiid getting frustrated by the end of it. Like the last couple threes uh, that Lopez hits in that second quarter, like he's all the way jumping out on Lopez, like all the way out there trying to chase him down last second and really contest shots. And uh, I just think it, it kind of spoke to just how important Brooke Lopez could be. And then uh, the other thing is uh, like, we kind of went down that road a little bit further and Giannis said that during the national anthem, he was, he was kind of just like thinking and like looking over to the Sixers. And he said, he, he thought to himself, man, how did we cover Embiid last year? Like, I don't even remember how we tried to do it. And he's like, and then this year he's like, I just remember thinking like, thank God we have Brooke. Like, we're just going to put Brooke on him and Brooke's going to make him work. And Brooke is really good. Like, he's going to give him like a physical game that he has to try to find his way through. And I just think we, we talked about it at the time and how good the Brooke Lopez signing was and 
we we've kind of gone over it again and again but you know by the end of this year like if this keeps up if rook lopez and his insane three-point attempt rate and the way that he opens up the floor for Giannis keeps up like he might be the best free agent signing of the summer it's funny to think about but uh especially against a team like the sixers i mean lopez is in many ways and we talked about it yesterday in the preview that Brooks kind of the best antidote for a guy like Joel Embiid because obviously he's again physically huge and can at least keep him honest, um, you know, defensively. Uh, and I mean, look at it. I mean, Joel scores 30 points tonight, but shoots nine out of 24, uh, 13 free throws. So certainly not an efficient scoring night from him. He had to put up a lot of shots to get there. Um, and you know, Lopez um, himself scoring 21 points on 13 shots. Um, you know, certainly did did everything that you could have asked for him offensively. Cause as you said, I mean, Embiid wasn't paying attention to really him early and he kept shooting and, you know, really gave them something to think about. And, um, you know, when that three point flurry started, um, it really kind of turned the game around and obviously him shooting those threes was, was crucial. Um, you know, him and Giannis uh, combined, um, really did a, a, you know, they were kind of the key to, to kind of turning, I think it was, um, and I, I should, uh, let me just, let me just dig this up real quick, but, um, our, uh, friend of the pod, Shafty bro, uh, chronicled the start of the second quarter. It was bucks were down 34, 24. Then you get a Giannis dunk, Giannis assist for a three, Giannis and one, Giannis assist for a three, Giannis with a steal and a windmill dunk, Giannis assist for three, Bledsoe with a drive and a foul, Giannis assist for three, Giannis assist for three. <laughs> he had seven points and five assists in four and a half minutes. Um, so that really turned the game out. So it basically went from 30, yep. t- down 34-24 to leading 46-42. So a 22 to, uh, I guess, uh, eight run just snapped off in, in four and a half minutes to really turn the game. And, um, you know, second half again, like really wasn't, uh, you know, that dramatic other than a couple semi-nervous moments. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Lopez being that safety valve, on the outside, it's not just that he is shooting those threes, but again, I mean, he's a, a big man who is defending big guys on one end and then dragging that big guy out onto the perimeter on the other side. And, you know, what that means for, for Giannis and Bloodstone in particular is, is obviously huge. So anyway, we should point out too, I mean, in, in defense of the Sixers, they played an overtime game last night. Simmons did not play due to a back injury. So he was coming back from the back injury. Obviously, he was, I guess, better rested. So, you know, we... We have no idea, obviously, how um, you know much that might have affected him. Um, but I thought the Bucks, just in general, I mean, we don't want to bury lead. I mean, I think it's easy to to obviously always focus on the Bucks and their kind of new offensive style. Um, but you look at the advanced numbers. I mean, this was a crazy fast paced game. 112 possessions um, per my uh, little. Uh, ESPN box score plugin that, that I usually use. Um, so again, it doesn't match up exactly to like what you'd find on NBA.com, but that I can tell you that is a crazy fast number relative to what we usually see. And overall, I mean, Bucks offensive rating 110. That's that's worse than they usually than they usually do this season. That that'll drag down their average. Um, but defensively, a 96.4 rating. Um, that's obviously great. If you can do that, uh, you know, if, the, if this Bucks team holds teams to, to hold another team to 96.4 in terms of the, their defensive rating, then you're going to feel pretty pretty confident that the Bucks can score enough points to 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 win that kind of game. And tonight, you know, you look at the Sixers. Um, 
you know, they, they turned it over a bit. We, we saw last year in particular in that crazy game where the Bucks came back twice. I think they had like 25 turnovers, something like that. And that's been something that has plagued them uh, over the past year. Tonight, 16 turnovers, not a crazy number. Um, but, you know, you just kind of look at all the different categories and the Bucks outscored them by 10 in the paint. Bucks were uh, hit, hit two more threes in them, so they weren't. There wasn't, a, you know, a big, big, big advantage there. Um, Bucks also shot same number of free throws, but they made seven more. Twenty out of thirty. That was obviously very nice. Giannis um, making me breathe easier with an eight for nine performance from the free throw line, um, and then defensive rebounding. I mean, the Bucks have been a top ten team both offensive and defensive rebounding this year which is not something we were expecting to say. Um, and tonight, 86% defensive rebound rate. That's terrific. Um, you know, Embiid and Simmons each had three offensive rebounds. The rest of the team combined for one. Um, so the Bucks did a really good job of, of not giving up second chance points. And, you know, you look at the fast break, 25 to 10 advantage. Um, you know, Giannis and Simmons, obviously a great sort of fast break matchup. Um, Simmons, obviously more of a creator. You know, on the break, they do a tremendous. He obviously does a tremendous job of, of attracting attention and setting other guys up. Giannis obviously can do the same and is even more lethal as a finisher. Um, but tonight, obviously, the Bucks um, getting more done in transition as well. And um, you know, not surprising that the Sixers maybe would start better and then fade, given that they played last night. Um, but also, big credit to the Bucks. I mean, they come out not looking good, kind of like a little bit like the Indiana game with a slow start, but it kind of lasted longer. Uh, they're down 34-22 after one quarter, and they explode for 49 points in the second quarter, most points ever scored by a Bucks team in a second quarter, and, you know, ho-hum, another 71-point first half. But again, don't lose sight of that defense. They are right now, at last I checked, they were uh, like fifth in offense and fifth in defense um, when I did the quick check of the media stats uh, NBA.com site. Um, after the game so um, again doing it on both ends right now even if the offense is getting most of the attention yeah and it's really kind of interesting to think about this Sixers team because I mean they're just a, a weird kind of grouping of players and I don't I mean they're like kind of young um, but also they're like I don't know like I just and they're very confusing to me because I don't feel that Simmons and Embiid are a perfect pair. Um, I think there's, you know, maybe some awkwardness there. Um, then like Dario Saric, like, is he, uh, like a, a, a top five, like rotation guy, like, or is he like a bench guy? Like, I don't know what he is. Uh, Covington does a lot of nice things, but, ultimately like maybe doesn't do enough. And then Markel Fultz is a disaster. And then JJ Reddick comes in and runs off a bunch of hands off, runs off a bunch of handoffs and is really awesome. But then like Mike Muscala, like the drop off from Ursani of to Mike Muscala is significant. And I, I don't know if I would have said that uh, before the season. And like, I just look at the six team and it's like, okay, it's Embiid and Simmons. And the nice thing about both of them is you don't really have to cover them out the three point line. So you can just pack it in. Uh, you got to make sure you get back in transition D and then you just kind of go and, and handle it. And I, 
I don't I don't know what the Sixers team is. I don't know what the future holds for him, but I'm definitely interested uh, to figure out what it is because I think there's some some mismatched pieces in all of that, and uh, I'm I'm very curious to see kind of where it goes uh, from here. So. Some of the other stuff I want to talk about uh, from post game with Giannis. Yeah, can, uh, I, can I just make a, just say a couple but before we get into that? But just on the Sixers fit stuff, I think it's a really great point. It's a big question. There's kind of like the there's been kind of this general like question floating around, which I thought was interesting of Embiid and Simmons and like whether they like each other, whether they like playing each other, which is kind of like interesting. I don't know. Like it wouldn't be obvious for me to question it too much, um, but. You know, those two guys, I mean, I think individually they both have superstar talent, top 10, 15 type type talent. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think Covington fits really well. Covington is super malleable. Like when you talk about like guys who would who travel well, who could just fit in kind of with most teams. Covington and Redick, I think, fit really well just because, you know, they're shooting and, and Covington obviously has defense um, in particular, you know, and, and versatility is, is something that fits well. But yeah, I think the rest of the team, it's just weird, right? I mean, Sar- I'm shocked that the Sarich, Simmons, Embiid lineup last year was just incredibly good just because I feel like they're all like forwards. I mean, Simmons obviously is a, a primary ball handler as well, but um, the fact that you're using you know one of those guys at all times to really defend a small forward just doesn't seem like as, as optimal as possible. Um, so I thought like a year ago, I thought like, well, they should try to trade Saric and cash in, you know, coming off his kind of promising rookie season. And obviously they hung on to him. Fascinated to see what he gets paid, right? Um, just because I, as you said, I mean, I think he seems like they can, it seems like they've made it work at times, obviously last year with him starting. Um, but you then also throw in like Fultz and I mean, the Sixers have three, there are three guys who like bring the ball up the court most, right? Simmons, TJ McConnell and Fultz. Like all of them are guys who are like deathly afraid of shooting threes and that teams are just daring to shoot three through threes. And I, I just don't know how, I mean, if you can coax a like top 10 offense, top, you know, like an offense, like befitting of having Embiid and Simmons out of that combination, I'd be surprised, right? Just because it's like in this day and age, um, that's just tough. Uh, it just feels like you got to have more shooting around uh, Embiid and Simmons, and um, I don't know. It's just strange, so strange. Like watching these guys play, because it's like you know, like we think about like the way the Bucks had to defend like the Hornets, right? And Kemba Walker. I mean, this is just. There, there is nothing like that against a team like the Sixers. It's like playing a different sport defensively almost because you're just trying to wall off Simmons, but you're backing way off him. And, you know, McConnell and Fultz are also kind of daring to shoot. It's, it's just a, it's just so different. And um, I think we saw tonight, you know, the Bucks match up very well with the Sixers. We'll, we'll see how they match up with the Raptors and Celtics down the road um, in terms of those top teams in the East. But I think certainly uh, Philadelphia is a team that, right now is is not that scary because it's just you know reddick obviously is scary he's a ridiculous shot maker um and covington can obviously play well but he was bad in the playoffs last year he wasn't very good tonight and so you're just piling so much pressure on him being simmons yeah and uh, i mean uh, i i think why it's kind of important is 
100%. We don't really know what they look like against the Raptors uh, or the Celtics. But, you know, if you look like this against the Sixers, then you kind of think about everyone in like the bottom half of the playoff race in the East. Like, I think you can feel pretty confident against all of those teams, which, I mean, doesn't help, you know, when uh, if you win in the if you win in the first round in your three, six game, and then you, you have your two, three game and you have one of the Celtics and Raptors. I mean, obviously that doesn't help you, but you know, like there, there is some, at least in my mind, some thought that you can feel pretty confident that this Bucks team is three in the East. And, you know, that makes kind of just, especially with Lopez, because Lopez might be a guy that those other teams can play off the floor, but I don't think any team four through whatever in the East can really totally do that. Like the Hornets did a little bit, but I don't think they can play the whole game like that. Like, I just think you, you can look up and down the Eastern conference and feel pretty confident with this Bucks roster. And uh, that's kind of one of my takeaways from the night. Um, all right, let's hop back into Giannis stuff during the fourth quarter. You tweeted something out about Giannis being gassed. I totally disagreed with it. I did not think that he looked gassed in any way. Um, my eyes were wrong. After the game, I asked Giannis if he was gassed in the second half because of, you know, the new play, the pace that they play at. And uh, he said that he was. He said, yeah, we play fast. I'm going to get used to it. I was a little bit out of breath, but I got to get in shape. So, um, yeah, uh, you well done, Frank. Uh, I know our friend Kurt Leidner, friend of the show, uh, tweeted out in response to that, like, it's strange the how differently you see the game, even though you're watching the same game in two different mediums, like what you can pick up on TV, what you pick up uh, at the game. But yeah, I, at no point did I think Giannis looked gassed. Like I just thought he looked out of sorts and looked like he has for much of this year where he's like not really sure where his spots are and when to attack and when not to attack. And th- that was more what it looked like to me. Um, and I, I mean, it's ironic considering he had a, a 32.18 rebound triple-double. We, like, we've barely talked about it. Like, this is just the level of Giannis, right? He he puts up, like, a number. Like, how many times... I, I, you could go on Basketball Reference, and I'm, I'm curious how many times in the last, you know, 30 years has somebody put up a 32, 18, 10, three-block, two-steal night, right? And not going to be many. Not many. And we're, like, just, like... Yeah, you know, he looked tired and only shot 50% and you know, just uh yeah, but I mean that's that's the that's the ridiculous kind of standard that Giannis has set and my so I was I was really surprised that you disagreed because like what I was seeing was he was walking up the court. It's probably like three things, right? He was he it seemed like he was just like like literally just walking up the court like I walk down the hallway to the bathroom at work faster than it seemed like Giannis was watching when they were bringing the ball up. And then um, he took a number of jumpers and they were all really short. And I just remember having this feeling like Giannis don't shoot jumpers right now because you have no legs. Like it just seemed like he just was not going to have any legs to take shots. And and see why I think that one's strange is because that, suggests that you have some confidence in his jumper like that that could be to me that was just like well i mean he misses jumpers like that's kind of a thing that he does yeah but it's Uh, not like he always misses them short right like he misses them all over the place typically sure but Um, you could have a randomness that would put five short ones together if that makes any sense yeah and then the main thing was like literally every stoppage he's doubled over with his hands on his knees breathing heavily like 
I mean, it just seemed like he needed he needed rest. And it, I, I thought it was interesting because Budenholzer got him two separate shorter blows in the fourth quarter. And I think timed it really well because basically he brought him out a little bit ahead of the the normal timeouts that you get. And so he was able to kind of get him, you know, maybe not a lot of rest per like the game clock, but in terms of like actual time being able to be on the bench between the commercials and the, the actual time that he missed in the game. Um, it, it seemed like a pretty smart way to get him like a f- couple of quick blows uh, without needing to just like, you know, rest him for like five minutes of game game action. So you really I think you only missed like, I don't know, like two or three minutes of game action or something like that in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they, they took him out at like three thirty and he was back in at two thirty nine, I think it was. Uh, so like he had missed 50 seconds of game action. But in reality, he had been uh, and I think there was like a foul or two in there. So he probably got like three or four minutes of rest on the bench which i mean that's just that's just a a killer that's killer clock management that you know you can get him a blow in that situation and uh you're still able to close out the game and uh it's funny thinking through all of this because like i one i didn't think he was tired and he said that he was and then the reason I didn't think so is because, you know, I thought he, he's still kind of out of sorts, like trying to figure out what exactly he should be doing. And I, I asked a question like that because the last home game on Monday, it said that he is still trying to figure out some of those things. And he said that, yeah, like this is, it's going to be a process. Like this is going to take a while. This is going to happen overnight. And, you know, like I am still trying to figure out exactly where those are. And then he ended that by saying, I feel like so far I've been playing B basketball, as in the grade B. Um, B basketball, I think I can be way better. I can help my teammates find open shots even more, and I'm going to keep trying to get better and try to take and try to make my teammates better. And this is the dude that's averaging 29.2 points per game, 15.6 rebounds per game, and 7.4 assists per game, and just slapped up a 32.18 rebound, 10 assist game. Like that's that's what you're talking about when you're talking about Giannis Adetokounmpo at this point. And like, it's just kind of ridiculous that, you know, we feel, we feel the need that, you know, like we kind of talked about Brooke Lopez and how important that he is to all of the proceedings. And really it's like, it's Giannis, man. Like he's just incredible. Um, and he's so incredible that you have to go out to a game and see them. And the best way to do so is by using Vivid Seats. Obviously, they're the an app that has been supporting us now for a couple of weeks. And you can use our promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, to get $20 off or on a $200 or more purchase at Vivid Seats. And it's going to help you find the best seats, figure out exactly where they are, and make sure that you're in the building to watch Giannis in person because it is absolutely incredible and i guess just when you think through everything that Giannis does in the game like you mentioned that stretch in the second quarter and like he can just kind of he can just kind of assert his will like just when he wants to and you know that Knicks game the other night we didn't think he played particularly well but at the start of the fourth quarter what he'd rattle off like nine straight points and uh like he's just all over the floor and uh even in that 
that stretch that you had mentioned, Dante DiVincenzo, I think, might have stole a rebound at some point. And like Matt Flaskas and I both looked at each other like, I mean, that's just Dante doing things because that's what Dante does. He just jumps around and does stuff. But it was like, what's he doing? Like, that's Giannis's rebound. Like, And we're just at a spot where, okay, 18 rebounds. Sure, that's a thing that Giannis can do. And, oh, 10 assists. Yeah, that's a thing that Giannis can do. And like, everything is just kind of built around his brilliance and everything just makes sense this season that, you know, when something goes wrong, it's not, it's not necess- it's not necessarily that you don't want to blame Giannis. It's just that you know that the system was in some way broken. And it was another thing that Giannis brought up in postgame. Uh, second quarter, he does one of his I'm driving jump passes, and he's on the left side. He throws it to the opposite wing to the to the right wing. And for some reason, Malcolm Brogdon was cutting. And I just remember thinking to myself, and I tweeted out, I was like, what on earth is he doing? Like, they know where the boxes are. Like, you know where the blue squares are. That's where you sit. And the reason why we've been able to see uh, Eric Bledsoe, we've been able to see Giannis, even we've been able to see Chris Middleton get in the air and throw passes because they know that they can throw to those spots somewhat blindly. And when we asked Giannis after the game, Matt Velasquez asked him, did you know Tony was there? And I, the question he was always asking was on that 10th assist, did you know Tony was there? Because Giannis got up in the air and tossed it over his head and Tony Snell hits this corner three. And he said, yeah. And before he kept going, I like butted in. I was like, are you lying? Uh, and he said, no, no, no. Like I knew. And he brought up that in the second quarter, he had told Malcolm like, you got to stay in those spots. Like don't leave that spot because at this point, how we're set up, I know that if I get in trouble, there's a couple spots I can throw to and I, I can look like uh, he, he can obviously just look more generally like, okay, there's a Jersey there. I can throw there. There's not a defender there. I can throw there. And he, he doesn't necessarily have to know who it is exactly, but he will know that someone will be there. And then all of a sudden like that play, uh, that mistake, that turnover set the scene for his 10th assist of the night for him to get the triple-double where he said, Tony totally bailed me out. Like uh, I I threw to it blindly, but I knew that he would be there because we'd been over so many times that you have to be there. And we went over it again in the second quarter. Like you have to be in those spots. And like, yeah, I just think the Bucks are in this spot where everything makes total sense for Giannis that even in the moments where he is out of sorts, even in, in the moments where he's not totally a hundred percent right on something, he's going to look good because everything makes sense. And I just thought that that was another example of it. And uh, it was almost fitting that it it was a pass where he threw blind to a spot in the right corner where he knew a shooter was going to be because the system is so good and built around him and makes so much sense for him. Yeah. You, I mean, different, certainly very different types of plays, but um, that pass to Tony reminded me of the pass Giannis had Jet Yeah, in Toronto last year, what was the first game after the all-star break. And I don't know if it was an overtime or, or right at the end of regulation, but I think it was an overtime where, you know, he basically like drives and kind of gets himself into a bad spot and ends up basically sort of like saving the ball to jet in the corner for a three. Um, And and just kind of like underscores that when you have 
Giannis's combination of size, athleticism, court awareness, improvisation, like you just kind of play by different rules than the rest of the human race. And you can just do things that, that <laughs> no one else really can do. And you can do things that no coach would ever, you know, advise or teach you to do. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a really fun play and nice to see um, Snell uh, actually knock that one down. <laughs> um, yeah, I had that garbage time three at the end of the game too, with the shot clock running down uh, or three pointer. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it was fun. I mean, and it was interesting too, because, you know, I know we we talked about Giannis's assists and um, and his playmaking and how would that be leveraged. Um, I I want to I, I was looking up. I remember reading. Um, I think it was not last year, but the season before. Someone looked at three point corner three point assists and like LeBron was like by far the league leader. And I think I want to say he averaged something like two per game, which isn't doesn't seem like a ton, mm-hmm. but like no one else was close. Like Harden was like at like a little over like one and a half or like, or not, not even one and a half. And I'm going to be really curious to see where Giannis ranks in that category this year. Um, I, I imagine, you know, a lot of teams are going to probably make more corner threes this year, but um, the Bucks are obviously like no team is, is doing, seeing a bigger jump than, than the Bucks. And so I'm going to be really curious to see how many of, of Giannis's assists are, are corner three assists specifically. Um, because again, like that's obviously a, an area the Bucks really emphasize. We talked yesterday about Eric Bledsoe taking many more corner threes this year than, than really he ever has before. Um, and obviously Brooke Lopez now, um, you know, and, and other guys, the big men, you know, running to those corners rather than, um, you know, in, in more big normal big men sort of spots so um so that was just really fun and, and again yeah that that second quarter in particular i mean it was a slow start from Giannis, um but that second quarter in particular you really got going and one other thing too like when you start sarge it really creates kind of a challenge for philadelphia defensively against the bucks because you know Giannis is your four so Saric nominally is kind of like the best, like like it's almost like Saric should guard Giannis by default because you don't want Saric guarding Middleton or a smaller guy, right? You don't want him guarding a center. Um, so it's kind of a weird, a weird position in terms of like, like who you have defending because I, I, I watched, I rewatched for the highlights, you know, Giannis didn't have a single basket with Simmons as being his primary defender. Like he did pretty much everything um, against a combination of Saric, Covington, Muscala, who he just like murders. Like he sees Mike Muscala's on the court and he just yeah. like, you know, sees red, right? And just goes and just <laughs> just destroys poor Mike Muscala. Um, so it was interesting. But again, like part of the problem is it's just, it's, it's, it's easy to say, well, just go have, um, go have, uh, you know, Simmons guard, guard Giannis all the time. I think uh, our friend Kane Pittman had a quote from Simmons that, you know, he wanted to be guarding him. He thought he should have been guarding him all night. Um, and I think the probably the Sixers would have been much better off if that could have been the case. But again, like there are things you can do that, you know, make that a little bit harder. Um, and you can run screen and you know, pick and roll. You can do different things. Um, you know, the Bucks run that action where they, um, you know, basically set screens to get Giannis a post up and try to, make it harder to keep this primary defender on him. So lots of things the Bucks did. And, and obviously, you know, you rewatch the game tonight. They, they try to do things to, to basically make the Sixers not be able to just throw Ben Simmons uh, on him and have him defend him one-on-one. And um, I thought maybe the, the play that probably the play that I, I recall the most uh, among like non kind of just like highlight plays um, in, you know, not just like cool dunks, like Giannis's windmill on the break was really fun. You know, Giannis, 
that one hammer dunk he threw down um, in, in half court was really fun, but that was more of like a defensive breakdown. But the play that I thought was, was really like, just, it was a, it was actually an important play in the grand scheme of a game that, you know, didn't get that close, but um, I guess it was with Bledsoe, right? From the left wing, they were running that action from Middleton where he kind of, you know, was that, was that the Hawk set that they, that they ran yeah, and they run was. like different and, variations? And, uh, I forget if, Jeff Siegel had broken that yeah. down uh, last week. If you haven't read that, I know I tweeted it out, and I think you tweeted it out as well. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of action where somehow, some way, they find they find a way to bring Middleton uh, along the baseline, and then set a double screen for him over on the right wing to bring him up so that he can kind of curl into a shot. Uh, and then typically, uh, we've seen it where he'll flare or he'll move off of it, and then Eric Bledsoe is always in charge and. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a great read by by Giannis. It was a great read by Bledsoe, but Giannis was part of the 